Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one blessed page of Talmud each day. And in today's page, Gitin 35, we hear a wonderful story of a curse. Have a listen. There was an incident involving a certain widow who came before Rabbi Barav Huna to collect payment of her marriage contract. He said to her, what can I do for you as Rav does not collect payment of a marriage contract for a widow and my father, my master, meaning Rav Huna, does not collect payment of a marriage contract for a widow. She said to him, if I cannot collect payment of the marriage contract, then provide sustenance for me from my husband's property to support me until I remarry. He said to her, you also do not have any right to sustenance, as Rav Yehuda says that Shmuel says, one who demands payment of her marriage contract in court has no right to receive sustenance any longer. The husband committed to provide for her sustenance only as long as she does not wish to remarry. Generally, once a widow demands payment of her marriage contract, she demonstrates that she wishes now to remarry and is no longer entitled to receive sustenance from her deceased husband's property. The widow became angry and said to Rabbi Barav Huna, may his chair be overturned, meaning he should fall from his position of power as he ruled for me in accordance with the different opinions of two people. Since Rabbi Barav Huna was concerned about her curse, he overturned his chair in order to fulfill the curse literally and then stood it up. And even so, he was not saved from the weakness that resulted from her curse. It's very easy for us moderns, sophisticated and smart as we are, to read this story and mock poor Rabbi Barav Huna. I mean, come on, dude, you're a powerful rabbi and judge. Do you really believe an angry woman's curse is something you should fear? But the answer, of course, is yes, absolutely, even or particularly for us moderns, smart and sophisticated and seemingly above such superstitious stuff as curses. Because curses are key, then as now, an important way to regulate human emotion, aggression, grief, and other sentiments that often overwhelm us. And if that sounds like too much bluster, I invite you to make the acquaintance of one William Cianus. Billy, as he was known, a Greek immigrant, was an entrepreneurial sort. He lived in Chicago and bought a bar with a bounced check for $205, and he dreamed up all sorts of stunts for publicity. His joint was called the Billy Goat Tavern, so he kept a real live goat named Murphy and took it everywhere he went, including, famously, Game 4 of the 1945 World Series. Going in, Cianus was jubilant. His team, the Chicago Cubs, were up 2-1 to in the series, and he was sitting in a fancy box he had paid top dollar for right next to the team's owner, Philip K. Wrigley. But Wrigley, who inherited his father's chewing gum empire, was a quiet sort of man, and he was scandalized by the very sight and sound of Murphy the goat, and by the smell too. So at some point, Wrigley asked Cianus to leave. Fuming, Cianus stormed home and dispatched a telegram to Wrigley. 
You are going to lose this World Series, he wrote, and you are never going to win another World Series again. You are never going to win a World Series again because you insulted my goat. And so was born the curse of the Billy Goat. The Cubs lost the game that day, and they lost the series, and they continued to lose in ways that almost defied belief. In 1969, for example, they played the Mets in a crucial late-in-the-season game when a black cat suddenly appeared on the field and jinxed the Cubs into losing. They almost made the cut in 1984, their first postseason appearance since, well, 1945, but their first baseman made a bizarre error and let a ground ball just roll by his wet glove. They made the NLCS in 1989, only to be crushed by the Giants due to a mind-boggling series of truly idiotic errors. And even superstars like Sammy Sosa couldn't help the poor Cubs. And if you doubted that the team was actually cursed, if you argued statistics or bad luck or happenstance, in March the year 2003 and Game 6 of the NLCS with the Cubs leading the Marlins 3-2. It's the eighth inning. Chicago is up 3-0, and the Marlins' second baseman, Luis Castillo, is at bat. He pops up a foul ball, and the Cubs' outfielder, Moises Alou, runs to catch it. It's looking good, but a fan named Steve Bartman, sitting in the stands, gets up and reaches for the ball, trying to catch it, getting in Alou's way. No catch. And then the Marlins score eight runs in two innings and win the game 8-3, eliminating the Cubs altogether in Game 7. It took the Cubs until 2016 to finally break the curse of the Billy Goat and win the World Series 71 years later. And get this, the win came on the exact 46th anniversary of Billy Cianis' death. This, of course, isn't the only curse in baseball. There's Boston and the curse of the Bambino and, well, the Mets and the curse of just being the Mets and finding new and amazing ways to lose ballgames. But we fans love these mythical narratives because they help us process the greatest and most frustrating mystery of baseball to say nothing of life. Namely, that baseball and life alike are entirely unknowable and that our best laid plans aside, truly anything could happen, good or bad. This insecurity can breed anxiety. We each leave the house every morning, knowing that while we're excited for lunch and making after-work plans, we may, theoretically, just be struck by a bus and delivered from this world in an instant. So rather than go crazy with uncertainty and fear, we imagine another layer of truth and beauty to the world, a layer in which anyone even a tavern owner or an irate widow can invoke supreme justice and avenge cosmic wrongdoing simply by imposing a curse. And this belief helps us see baseball and life for what both truly are, namely wild, amazing rides where not knowing anything is precisely what makes it so magical and wonderful and irreplicable. So here's the curses being lifted and new curses brewing, and here's to many more summer evenings of watching the greatest game ever with the ones we love most. 
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.dafyomi or join us our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.